Hello, everyone. This is episode two of the Parks Academy, where we discuss and celebrate all things theme parks related. We focus mainly on Disney parks and resorts in both Anaheim and Orlando. My name is Paige. My name is Steven. And today we are starting a mini series about our ideal day in each park. Today, we're going to actually kick things off with Animal Kingdom. It is a beloved park for both of us, but it just happens uh, to be Paige's all-time favorite park. So we thought, what better way to start off uh, than with one of the most, in our opinion, probably immersive and engaging and just downright beautiful parks that uh, Disney properties have to offer. Absolutely. So we're going to do a couple of things here. Um, like Paige said, this is going to be a little bit of a mini series. We're going to go through every park in both Orlando and Anaheim alike. And then we're going to do a little bit of um, talking about some things we'd like to do maybe if you don't have park tickets. But, you know, today we're going to start off with Animal Kingdom and we're going to go basically line by line here with attractions. We're going to do entertainment dining, and then just some random fun things to do if you're in the park and, you know, give some tips, tricks, some hidden ideas of things that maybe uh, may be fun to do that maybe you didn't know about, maybe you did, but either way, we hope to give you a little bit of insight as to what our ideal day in Disney's Animal Kingdom looks like. Yep, that sounds great. Do you want to start us off, talk about some attractions that you like? Sure, I'd love to. So as Steven said, Animal Kingdom is my favorite park. And just to give a little bit of background, um, my family first went to Walt Disney World in 2000. That was my very first trip. My little brother was only like a year and a half, and I got picked to be in the Festival of the Lion King show. So I just thought that it was the most special thing ever, being in Animal Kingdom and getting to be a part of that. And then the second time my family went in 2002 or three, my brother and I both got picked to be in the Festival of the Lion King show. And then we also got picked to carry the banner at the end of Mickey's Jam and Jungle Parade. So I have some really fond memories, lots of really awesome um, nostalgia from this park. And I think that's where my love of Animal Kingdom really started. But Ironically, one of my favorite rides in Animal Kingdom, and I think this is actually my favorite ride in any Disney park, is Flight of Passage. Right. You love that ride. I mean, I I, I cannot express how much I actually love that ride. And I'm going to be honest, I cried the first time I rode it. And what's funny about this whole experience was we watched Avatar after we first went to Pandora. I mean, I saw it when Avatar right. first came out. I saw it in theaters. But I had never seen the movie. And Correct. I rode this ride. And I did not cry out of fear, everyone. Like, let me just be clear. I cried because it was so beautiful. I was just, it was all in my feelings. And I rode this ride. And without spoiling anything, you get to the end. And it's just so beautiful that it moved me to tears, actually. So I think between... It feeling thrilling and being so immersive and the cue making you feel like you really are a part of this experience of being put right in the movie. Um, I had never even seen the movie and I thought it was so well done. I think this is actually my favorite ride in any park. You're talking like any park. Any park. Wow. That's a that's a big say. I know it is. But but I think that. For me, it just came down to the first time I wrote it. It was just so beautiful. Um, I was just really moved by it. So that is definitely a must-do for me. And the second attraction um, that I would say in Animal Kingdom is a must-do for me is the classic 
Kilimanjaro Safari. Um, that ride, we usually try to do it during the daytime and the nighttime. And this is a little pro tip for you. You'll get a different experience if you do it when it's dark outside because you have different animals that are active at different times of the day. So you've got a lot of people that rush to get in line for it first because it can be kind of a long line. Um, some people will try to rush to do it at the end of the day. If you can swing it, that you can ride it more than once, it is worth the wait. It is worth seeing that. Um, our favorite time riding this is when we rode it at night and we heard a lion roar. And I've never in my life heard something so bone chilling. It was incredible. We saw it, we heard it, and I I don't know that that will ever happen again, but it was just so phenomenal. Um, it, you feel like you're in Africa on this actual safari, and I loved the old storyline where you felt like you were catching the poachers, so I kind of miss all of that little storyline with it, but it's still an incredible ride, um, and that ride has been around the whole time I've been going to Animal Kingdom, so it, it's got a lot of nostalgia factor for me. I, I have to say, I, I do agree with you 100% on Kilimanjaro Safari. I have some thoughts on Flight of Passage, but I'll circle back to that in a second. I, I had my I had some doubts about going to Animal Kingdom when we first went. It was kind of one of those parks that I knew very little about. Um, and I think, that, I think that we might have gone to Animal Kingdom the first day we went. When you first took me to Disney World. We did, yes. That was the first, first thing you showed me, right. And I was a little bit... Um, I was a little bit reserved about it because I didn't I didn't know if it was going to be as spectacular as you made it out to be. You know, just it, I thought it might be more like a zoo than anything else. I think that's a common misconception with Animal Kingdom actually. Right. So we we basically booked it straight to Kilimanjaro Safari and we got on really early and um it was really cool. You know, there just being able to kind of see all the different wildlife there is descriptions of what you'll see in your safari vehicle um we had to stop in the middle of the road because there was a giraffe crossing and he decided that instead of carrying on his way he would just stop and hang out for a little bit it was it was it was truly unlike anything i've ever seen before um the lions you're right they were spectacular um just being able to kind of see them like that was was amazing obviously predatory animals are going to be with they're gonna have like moats and barriers around them so you're safe you know you're completely safe but there's a still kind of that that unknown factor of that ride that that makes you feel like anything could happen at any minute and because it's unpredictable because the animals are just free roaming it's 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 very cool and i agree with you i think riding it once during the day to start off and once in the evening twilight really is is a good time to go on it because yes, there's a lot of definitely. different things happening um I got to say, though, you know, Flight of Passage, it's it's a good ride. It really is. And I, I think that my only hang up about that ride is that the world of Avatar, the world of Pandora does not fit to me in, in Disney at all. Um, so I think if that was like a universal ride or something, it would be it would feel a little different. But it just something about something to me about the pan, world of Pandora just feels so out of place. Um, but what I will say about that ride is it, um, to me, the queue really is the experience in a lot of ways. One of the notable factors 
um, of it that I recall specifically is a room where uh, Jake Soley and his avatar body is sort of floating in a um, in a vat, and you can kind of see him in there, and and it's so weird because he's huge, and every I mean you can see like the veins in his arms, he's twitching, you can see his eyes almost like they're in REM sleep. It's just such a weird, cool experience. You're kind of just waiting on him to open up his eyes. You like know? it's a little freaky. The it really first time is. You see it. But, um, you know, it's cool. It's, it really is a cool experience of a ride. Um, it is, it, it's unlike anything I've been on before and I, I can totally see why it's your favorite. Um, but Pandora itself, you know, is a really cool place. Um, yeah. And for me, the first time I saw Pandora, I actually was not even with Steven. I was doing, um, the Star Wars half marathon. And when we ran through Animal Kingdom, I ran in to the Pandora area and just had to stop and take some pictures because it was the first time I got to see it and it was so spectacular. I had not seen any pictures of what it looked like, so it was just it was all brand new to me. Um and so I think just that being so exciting and that was the first time I had ever done anything in Disney World by myself um was doing the run Disney event and so I'll talk more about that someday but there's just something for me about Pandora that really fits the vibes of Animal Kingdom. It, All of the nature and the creation of just all the beauty of that, um, even though Pandora doesn't really feel like it's Disney vibes, it still, it still fits the feel of Animal Kingdom, which I think is so special to me because yeah. I, I love... I love the theming of Animal Kingdom with Asia and Africa and those areas. And it's my lifelong dream to go to Africa and go on an actual safari. So all of those pieces, um, the conservation station and just talking about, you know, the planet and conservation and taking care of animals. I I just it holds a special place in my heart. And, and I can see how people don't like the Pandora area because it seems off brand for Disney. But but I think the theming does really fit. Don't get me wrong. I like it a lot. I really like it. It just feels weird to have a, a film that didn't really have anything to do with the Disney, you know, properties to be there. Right. But honestly, all of your opinions will probably change about it when you go at nighttime and you see how luminescent it is. Yeah. And how they created it to be just this gorgeous, um, this gorgeous, immersive experience, really unlike anything you've been in before. Everything glows. It really feels otherworldly. And if I'm being honest, um, I think that the world of Pandora fits better than Dinoland USA oh, in for some sure. ways. Um, you mean you don't like the parking lot arcade games? It's we- it was That was weird to me. That was very weird to me. But they do have a pretty good candy shop there. Um, okay, so... There are not very many rides in Animal Kingdom. That's true. There's like maybe seven, not very many. Yeah, and that sounds about right. So there's not a lot to choose from, but I remember back in 2006, I saw on one of those Disney Channel previews a a behind-the-scenes look of Expedition Everest, and... I was already sort of coming off Matterhorn being one of my all-time favorite rides. So seeing Expedition Everest being bigger and faster and scarier, um, going backwards, it just, it, to me, that was something where I knew I immediately, I had to go on that as soon as possible. So come a little over a decade later, I finally went to Animal Kingdom with you. And one of the first things I had to do 
even after going on Kilimanjaro Safari, I was like, get me on Expedition Everest. That looks so cool. And that to me is an absolute must do if I'm an Animal Kingdom. I could forego every other ride. I don't really need to get on Avatar. I don't need to do Navi River Journey. I could honestly skip Kilimanjaro Safari if I had to, like if I had to choose, because Ooh. Expedition Everest to me is just so, so good. I, I agree. It is an amazing ride. I'm pretty sure I blacked out on it the first time I rode it with my dad and my brother when we went backwards. I was not at all expecting that, but I have really grown to love that ride. Um, And the queue for me is the thing that gets me really excited about the ride. You feel like you're in this realistic story about these people that have found this Yeti and they went on this journey. Um, And so I think all of the excitement of the queue line is worth waiting for this ride because it is so thrilling. And you do feel like you're a part of this fairy tale that it could be real. Absolutely. It's the the line for me, you're right. It's it's so cool. Um it is one of those things where you can get lost inside of the line before you even get on the ride. And that to me is is Disney magic through and through. Being able to immerse your guest into the line to where it's just it's something where they don't even want to move up almost because there's so many things to see. And Expedition Everest completely inhabits all of those um, qualities that you would expect to come out of a Disney park. Not to mention, too, that it's just so state of the art. I mean, one of the major disappointments for me about Expedition Everest is that the Yeti, that that big animatronic high-end Yeti has has not been anywhere to be found since it, I think it was like a year that it lasted and then it went away. That was a that's disappointing, but it's still I mean, even without that, it, it would make it so much better. But even without that, it's still just such a great, classic, iconic roller coaster. And it's just so well done. Um, and it would behoove me to not mention that uh, uh, Joe Rody is is his hands. He's an Imagineer. He's recently retired My or is about to Imagineer ever about to retire, I think. But he has his hands all over Animal Kingdom. Yep. Um he, yeah, I mean, he's just, um, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's like one of the greats in the Disney, in the Disney parks. He's a legend. And, uh, yeah, his, his hands are, are literally like his hands prints are literally all over animal kingdom and you can see it in everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you really kind of have to tip your hat to him if you're going to talk about animal kingdom and the experiences that you get, right. um, especially with attractions. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Major props to him for that. Uh, yeah. Are there any other rides or attractions that you want to mention that like if you're there and you have the time, you have to do it? I think because there are so few rides in Animal Kingdom, the other two that I will mention that I would say you should not skip are Dinosaur, which for all intents and purposes is the same as the Indiana Jones ride. If you've been out to Disneyland, um, just a different overlay with the movie Dinosaur, which is in the beloved Dinoland area that Stephen mentioned earlier. Um, it seems pretty off-brand when you go there. It's a bit underwhelming when you see that it's sort of this parking lot-looking piece of Animal Kingdom. But the dinosaur ride itself is a little surprising that it is as thrilling and scary, really. Um, I mean, I remember... Shout out to my mom, who was so terrified to do this ride. She doesn't ride a ton of rides anyway. Um, but the the part where it gets super loud, um, it often scares a lot of people, especially when they've never ridden the ride before and they don't know to expect that. 
Um, and then the other ride I want to give a shout out to is, of course, It's Tough to Be a Bug. Oh, I forgot that was there. Yeah, yeah. It's like a half ride, half show, but it's right. great. Right. It's great for families. If you have little ones, it can be pretty scary. My brother was pretty terrified of this ride until he was probably way too old to be scared of it because he didn't like the bugs crawling underneath of your butt and the bees stinging you in the back. But it is such a fun experience and you you really get to feel like you are this tiny little bug being immersed in the world of bugs. Um, and so I think I love a good 3D or 4D show. I think that Disney has done an incredible job with this. And the fact that you get to go down under the tree of life, um, it makes me feel like I'm in Harry Potter or something where I'm going down underneath the Whomping Willow. So it, it just feels very immersive to me, like I'm really going into the story and shrinking down to the size of a bug. That is, I mean, undoubtedly, that's a fantastic ride. Um, I first rode that in DCA, Disney's California Adventure, um, because they, they used to have that ride there before they they removed it for Avengers Campus. And um, the experience in Animal Kingdom is so, it's it's far superior because you really are, I mean, you are walking, traversing really right into the tree of light, like under the roots. And you feel like you're in this, I mean, it's just such a cool place. And, and the tree of life itself, we'll, we'll talk about that for sure. But it's just, it's one of the most iconic and beautiful aspects of the entire Walt Disney World property. Um, but, uh, you know, I have to agree that your brother wasn't totally wrong. That ride is, is horrifying. Well, that. That's a relative concept. It, uh, yeah, but it's it's still, whenever I go in there, I still get a little jittery. Yeah. Because I know I'm not a big fan of the spiders coming down from the ceiling and yeah. getting poked and prodded and sprayed. And it's it's a, it's a trip being in that ride. It's, yeah, the stink bug part it's is kind of It's really something. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move right on and keep this thing moving. Um, let's talk about entertainment. Okay. Uh, I think that it's tough to be a bug is a good transition. Yep. Because um, that is such a great hybrid. But they and one of the one of the unique interesting things about Animal Kingdom is that there is so much to be appreciated from the entertainment value. You've got shows. You have street performers. You've got. I mean, it's it's just great. Uh, and there's always something. And even if it's like Kevin from Up just walking down the street, that giant marionette-style puppet. Um, even so, like, that is its own form of entertainment that you just can't take for granted when you're there because every time you turn around, there's something. So I know that you have a lot to say about entertainment, so I'm just going to quickly start it off, if that's okay. Sure. All right. I'm not... You'll you'll find this you'll find this this out about me as we carry on throughout the the podcast and future episodes. I'm not the biggest fan of stopping to see a show. Typically speaking, I could skip it every time. I, I just I don't know what it is. I would rather either do a ride again or go get food, um, as opposed to seeing a show. And the nighttime spectaculars, especially, I just I'm I'm pretty take it or leave it typically. But Rivers of Light is so so phenomenal. Um, that is the number one show that when I am, when I'm in Animal Kingdom, I absolutely have to be there. Um, it's right off, uh, it's right in Discovery River. Uh, basically it's, it's, there's these amphitheater style seats. 
and you sit and look in Discovery River and it's just, it's, a, it's almost like its own little meditative event to be there. It's beautiful. It's all on the water. It is, um, it's, it's soothing. So for me, there's no better way to end a hot, sweaty, probably torrential downpour filled day than to hang out in the amphitheater and enjoy rivers, rivers of lights. And I'm not going to lie, this show is so meditative and relaxing that I 100% dozed off the first time we saw it. Um, partly because when you do all four parks in one trip, it can be very tiring. And it was the end of the day and I was just a little exhausted, so I dozed off for a little bit. But the music is gorgeous and the show itself, the production value of course, Disney goes above and beyond when they're doing any kind of shows or entertainment. But there is something special about this show that, similar to Illuminations and how that show was just so immersive and embracing all of these different cultures, um, it feels like Rivers of Light does the same thing in Animal Kingdom and really embracing all of these different cultures and showing that off through lights and water and music um and it's just so beautiful yeah it's it really is and if you if you haven't seen it or heard of it i would definitely encourage you to just look it up on google images or something there's gonna be no spoilers but it's it's this it's this whole narrative from start to finish and there's these gorgeous lotus flowers that are animated you've got these almost paper mache looking animals that are floating down the river. And there's, it's just this beautifully told story that over the course of the production um, unfolds and you just really feel like you are in it. And um, one of the things too, that I really appreciate about it that isn't really like any other show I've been to at a Disney park, um, whether it's on, you know, in Anaheim or Orlando is it feels like, it feels almost like an underrated show to me because there's never it's never very crowded or at least the way it's set up doesn't feel crowded. And you kind of go in and there's these stringed lights that are reflected on the water. Um, Everest is is lit up behind you. And so it's it's such a win. You know, the whole experience is such a win. And uh, I would highly recommend it for me. Can't miss. I did not realize I just saw this, that there was an original and then a remake did you know that? I didn't. I think we've only seen probably the remake. No, we saw the original in 2017. Okay. And then they redid it and called it We Are One. And that's the one that we saw when we went in 2019, I guess. Wow. Okay. I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. So we saw two different versions of this. And I also did not know that it is still closed. It looks like it's still not reopened since COVID. Wow. I'm wondering if that's because of gathering everyone in the amphitheater. I'm going to seating. be severely disappointed if it's not open in October. I really hope it is. So, Out of all the shows that at the time I'm going to want our 10-month-old to see, that's it. Because I think the fireworks are going to spook her a little bit. And I just, you know, I think that that's going to be the one that I'm going to want to want her to see. So, wow, fingers crossed that yeah, that I'm hoping. is open. I'm hoping. So, yeah, I don't see it. Post it anywhere. We'll have to double check on that one, but it looks like it's still not reopened. All right. Well, let's jump over to your must-do shows, attractions. Other than Rivers of Light, there's one and one only entertainment that you must 
absolutely do every time we go to Animal Kingdom. Insert drum roll. The Festival of the, the Lion, Lion King. King. That's right. This, I can't even express how much I love this show. If you love Broadway, if you love beautiful music, incredible performers, acrobatics, dancers, gymnasts, this show has it all. It has everything you could imagine from the first opening note where everyone just gets chills from the circle of life and they go through the story of the Lion King in such a concise way. You don't feel like you're sitting in that theater forever. It's like, wow, that's over already. And it's, it includes the audience. I mean, they engage the crowd. You all get a part to play being a different animal and participating in that way. Um, I'm not sure with the new COVID protocols if they've had, you know, people participating, but uh, they always would select kids to kind of walk around and play instruments and be a part of the finale of the show. So it just, from the time I was little, like I said, this is where my love for Animal Kingdom started. And I have never outgrown the feeling of being a little kid, four years old, seeing this show for the first time. I feel like every time I see it, it's like the first time I saw it. Um, the Just the quality of the performance I I will never get over this show. It's a spectacular. I mean, it is a spectacular experience. Um, like I said, I don't I don't pretend like I'm the biggest fan of going to shows. And my first experience of it was a little tainted because first of all, I, I wasn't the most thrilled to go. And then there was a family in front of us, and the dad would not stop yelling at his kid and making him feel bad. So you love to see it. You do love to see it. Um, <laughs> happiest place on earth, but. Yeah, I I was really hesitant to go into it for the first time. I really didn't want to, but you're right. It is it is something to see. And um yeah, it's it, it's it's so immersive. I know I said that about River Rivers of Light and uh, I mean it, but this is truly really immersive. You are a part of the action and there's so much to see, there's so much to look at and the performers are phenomenal. Um there's very little novelty about it besides this isn't a spoiler but the timon character there it's in one of those like character bodies that you would see around the park but that's it otherwise you've got these elaborate beautiful costumes um almost like parade floats that come out from each corner with the different characters on them and then you got to talk about the monkey acrobats who i think are coming back in may i did see that they were rehearsing yeah Yeah, so that's super exciting that they're bringing back some of these elements that haven't been able to be there. And then you have um, the beautiful scene with the birds during Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I mean, it's every little piece of this show is just so well thought out. Um, And the music from The Lion King, everybody knows these songs. So you take your kids, you take your parents, you take your grandparents, and everybody's going to recognize these these songs um so it just really feels like one of those shows that everybody goes in other than the guy that sat in front of us yelling at his kid um everybody goes in and walks out feeling better than when they walked in so um that for me is absolutely hands down a must see every time we go no matter how many times i've seen this show it will never get old completely agree with you um and and i am really looking forward to going there 
with our our child because I think that's going to add an entirely different element to see just the wonder in her eyes when she sees that. Absolutely. Um, I think the entire experience of going back to Disney World is going to be vastly different than when you and I went by ourselves. Yeah, I think so. But specifically things like this where it's just okay for me, I think it's great, but it doesn't floor me necessarily. And you don't have the nostalgia that I have. No, but I think that when I am holding, you know, one of us is holding her daughter on her lap and she's watching it and engaging and and gets to participate in her own way, that's going to be dare I say life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. um, Yeah, that's, that's awesome. There's not really... You know, besides those two major tentpole entertainment aspects of Animal Kingdom, there's not too much. But um, one of the things I have to just say that that is pretty phenomenal, and I mentioned this a minute ago, but um, the street performers. You've got the the drummers of uh, Harambe. Um, you've got uh, just all kinds of street performers basically every time you turn a corner Absolutely. doing something. And there's dancing and this beautiful music um, that is, you know, indigenous to where they're from. And so you've just got this this really amazing kind of experience. And um, what's really cool about it, I think, is that every single space, whether you're in Africa or Asia or Pandora, um, every space really just flows perfectly right into the next. Um, and so that is really, really one of those aspects where that's a performance and entertainment aspect in and of, in, in and of itself. So... Don't take that for granted when you're there. You know, obviously it's fun to rush toward the gates of um, Festival of the Lion King or to try to get a good seat to see Rivers of Light. But there is so much to be gleaned from the little um, lesser known or less noticed sometimes entertainment aspects that are just right there when you're walking by. And I think another thing too about Animal Kingdom is it can be so relaxing, which feels very counterintuitive in a Disney park because they're usually so crowded. You're trying to squeeze everything in to get your money's worth. But Animal Kingdom has so many opportunities to go down a trail and just be in nature, see some animals. You can even take the little train over to Rafiki's Planet Watch and see some animals and kind of check out some conservation information over there. that was another thing I really loved as a kid was seeing like the vets working on the animals. One time we saw a turkey that had swallowed a golf ball and they were trying to work on getting it out. So there's just like these these really cool little things where people are just having their actual, you know, jobs at the park. Um, these vets for the animals there because they're all taken care of just like they would on any, you know, wildlife refuge or zoo, um, they're taking care of these animals here too. It's just um, wildlife that you wouldn't typically see in Florida. So it's just a really um, incredible experience where you kind of get this thing where people think it's just a zoo, but it's a whole lot more than that. You you can have this Disney feel, but feel like you're just in the middle of nature and get to experience some of the cultural aspects of Asia and Africa, um, all while being in a Disney park. Agreed. Couldn't have said better. Um, why don't we switch over to dining? All Talk right. a little bit about that. So I actually was thinking about this a little bit earlier. And when we do Animal Kingdom Days, we don't really eat a ton because... Um, we're not big breakfast eaters, so we don't usually need to eat breakfast in the park or anything. 
Um, but for lunch, for me in Animal Kingdom, I always get the exact same thing. There's only one option for me, and that is the Eight Spoon Cafe. They have the most incredible mac and cheese topped with pulled pork, pickles, barbecue sauce. It is so, so delicious. And it's not this overwhelming amount of food. It's like the perfect amount of food for a hot day in Disney Park. Um, and it's so delicious. I'm I am a huge fan of mac and cheese in general, but if you slap some pulled pork and barbecue sauce and pickles on it, that is just like a match made in heaven. So that is what I get every single time I go to Animal Kingdom. And for dinner, um, we sometimes don't even eat dinner until we leave the park. And we'll typically just stop at the Rainforest Cafe there, which I know a lot of people skip over that. They think it's gimmicky or they're like, oh, I can do that outside of a Disney park. But I think the thing with me about Rainforest Cafe is because I'm leaving Animal Kingdom, it feels like I'm going back into the real world, but still kind of hanging on to the vibes that I had that day, being in wildlife and nature and all of that. Um, and one of Stephen and I's best Disney stories ever is we tend to go in the springtime around Stephen's birthday, which happens to be in April. And so the first time I took him to Animal Kingdom. Are you really going to go here with this? I am really going to go here because the right. people have to know. They got to know. So we went to Rainforest Cafe. I told the waitress super secretly. I was like, it's his birthday. And she was like, awesome. We totally have something for that. Now, if you've been to the Rainforest Cafe, you've probably seen people walk out holding this mountain of a molten lava cake that's shaped like a volcano. And so I just assumed if I told the waitress it was his birthday, she was going to come out yelling volcano and bringing him this spectacular dessert. Well, time and time again, we kept hearing the waiter's or waitresses walk out with volcanoes and little kids were getting so excited. And Stephen kept turning his head thinking it was for him. And then our waitress sneaks over to our table with a little plate on, with a cupcake on it and puts it in front of Stephen and says, happy birthday. It was not a happy birthday. And the face that Stephen made when he saw his sad little cupcake, I we will have to post it on our Instagram page because... I've never felt worse but also laughed so hard in my life that I thought I was being such a good wife by getting him this volcano and celebrating his birthday, and yet you have to specifically say, I'd like the volcano, please, because they are not free birthday treats. They're not handing those out. And I've never felt like a bigger jerk in my life than sitting there with this little cupcake. <laughs> and I mean, it was good. It was fine. But it was just a cupcake. But yeah, I kind of felt... I felt kind of dumb, if I'm being honest. Um, well, the best part was just watching your sad little face as every yeah. time they walked out of the kitchen holding a volcano and you thought it was for you, and I'm so sorry. It's okay. But the next time and the time after that, we went the volcano route because I knew what to ask for. So everyone, if you want a volcano from the Rainforest Cafe for your birthday, you can't just say it's your birthday or they will bring you a very sad little cupcake. Lesson learned. Confirmed. Okay. Yeah. Um, what What are your go-to foods in Animal Kingdom? If I'm being honest, I'm just having a little bit of a difficult time moving past a story. 
It was. <laughs> I'm so sorry that the first two episodes of our podcast, I've just shared embarrassing stories about you. Well, I mean, if that's what it is, really, that's what going to Disney's about is being embarrassed. Indeed. Yeah, well. At some point, your expectations are so high that even the small things can just make you feel so small. That's true. All that to say, um, yeah, Animal Kingdom's got great food. And probably with the exception of Pizza Fari, you're not really going to run into too much that is going to be pretty basic, pretty typical cuisine. And uh, Eight Spoon, you're right. It's great. It's a must-do. Um, one of the things I do love about it as well is when you eat there, uh, you just kind of pop off right near Discovery River. And there's this little, there's this little alcove with, with tables and benches. And um, it's this quiet little place to eat where you can just kind of eat Disney food in, in, in peace. And that is a rare thing to find. That's true. And during the time, I don't know if they're still doing them because we haven't really, well, I don't, we saw a couple cavalcades we went last time, but you would see some of the cavalcades go through on Discovery Island or Discovery River, excuse me, when you were eating, um, when you could be eating down there. So that's pretty cool. But if I have to make one choice of a place to eat when I am going to Animal Kingdom, for me, I got to pick Nomad Lounge. Um, Nomad Lounge is this absolutely outstanding little bar and lounge it is a little bit above pandora so when you are on discovery island you just kind of head head right on down to uh the world of pandora and then you hang a right and there it is it's just this really cool little little lounge and it feels very unassuming when you're walking by it uh, it, it, it's just there's not a whole lot to see but when you go inside i mean it is just gorgeous the the atmosphere everything about it is so relaxing and warm and what it really feels like is that you've basically stepped out of a theme park and you've suddenly walked into this adult restaurant where you're not really waiting in these lines to just get your quick service food and then go find a seat um, you're not kind of sitting there waiting for your reservation. I mean, you might be if it's busy, but you're not really kind of sitting there waiting for your reservation and then just getting crammed into a spot. It's very, it's very just open. And I mean, it truly is like a lounge. And so when we went, we got a couple of handcrafted cocktails and we got ourselves um, some appetizers that were African, Asian, and South American um, inspired. Didn't we get some sort of like cheese board, some artisanal cheeses, something like that? I think so. I'm pretty sure we did. But the thing that I remember specifically about it is that we sat on the outside area. So we sat kind of on the patio. And I mean, it feels like you're sitting in a Pier 1 ad, really. Yeah, it does. Uh, there's these beautiful lounge chairs, uh, big couches with decorative pillows on them, lanterns on tables. And you are right on the river. You can see glimpses of pandora and it's quiet i mean it's like this quiet little spot where you can just take a minute and uh take a beat and hang out and it's just i i can't speak highly enough about this restaurant um when we went it wasn't very busy no it was fairly empty but i think too that we went at sort of an awkward time in between meals which is always a a good tip when you're going to a disney park like we tend to eat some sort of lighter lunch a little bit earlier than the lunch rush. And then we 
are old people, even though we're in our 20s. And we like to eat dinner at like 4.30. But when we're at Disney Park, sometimes we even eat earlier and then have some sort of later snack where we'll get ice cream or some sort of treat um, before we leave a park. So if you can swing it, um, try to eat at times that are a little bit off from the dinner rush and the lunch rush because it can be so hard Um especially without reservations, but even with reservations to get a time that's close to dinner time, sometimes it's easier if you can kind of work around that a little bit, which is usually why it's less crowded for us when we get those earlier reservations, like a 3.30 or a 4.30. Right. You're giving away all our secrets, but... Uh, well, I'm trying I'm trying to help the We people. might just have... Yeah, we might just have to switch up our times now if it gets too crowded. Well, also, I could be using reverse psychology and getting people to eat earlier so we can eat at regular dinner time. There you go. Nomad Lounge, do not sleep on this place. It is clutch. Um, I have to admit, as a pretty big Disney fan, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't eaten here yet, but next time we go, which is going to be in October, I'm really strongly considering making reservations at Yak and Yeti because I have heard nothing but good things about it. Um, we're going to do character dining for our daughter, so I think Tusker House can be skipped this time around. But yeah, Kenyatta looks awesome. I'm not saying it's a must-do because I haven't been there yet, so I can't in good conscience say you have to go. But I got to go. I got to check it out. So I think we're going to do that for dinner one night. Um, and then maybe that'll be on another review list of, of things you got to do. There we go. We just don't have a, a set opinion about it yet because we have not tried it. All right. Uh, one final thing that I need to bring up for dining because you know we got to talk about quick service is Tamu Tamu Refreshments. Now, I love this spot for one reason and one reason only. It is one of the main places in Animal Kingdom that you can grab yourself a pineapple Dole Whip. And uh, it's one of my favorite things. I am not ashamed to say it. It's so good. It's such a classic. And I think that the pineapple Dole Whip, it fits so perfectly in Animal Kingdom. It just feels like it's the whole mood to be there. It does. So great little spot. Definitely, definitely check it out if you get a chance to pop over there. Um, one of the things that we did when we when we went to Tamu Tamu last time was we uh, got ourselves our Dole Whip and then we ate it in line for Festival of the Lion King and then we wandered on in. And uh, another thing they have, too, is a Malva Cake Sundae. Uh, it's a warm cake with vanilla ice cream and caramel. It is delicious. And highly recommend getting it. Um, you can also get it with dark or coconut rum, which is pretty awesome. I do love a good spiked dessert. So that would be my QSR suggestion. I am sure there's others, but I'm going to stick with that one and say Nomad Lounge, Tamu Tamu Refreshments. Don't miss them. Eight Spoon Cafe and Rainforest Cafe for the lulls. Rainforest Cafe is super campy, but you know what? I'm into it. But the, you, you have to go and, and get a birthday cupcake. You got to go with an open it mind. It. It's like going to Bubba Gumps. You just, you got to go in knowing what you're getting. Right. Exactly. So, like I'm going to a chain restaurant and I'm in Disney World. Right. I know what I'm getting. All right. Things to do. So obviously we've talked about attractions. We've gone over entertainment and we've talked about dining, but- there's other things to do besides that. And every time you're walking through, sometimes you'll catch these little magical moments where something happens. 
And uh, you never, you know, for me, there's things that I've become privy to from going a couple of times and, and spending time in Disney World that I just cannot miss. And I'm going to start this one off because there is one particular cannot miss moment and it's a thing to do. And if you can swing it, if you have the guts and you can commit, show up to rope drop at Animal Kingdom. Do it. It is the most worth it rope drop in any park, in my opinion. I have been to my fair share of rope drops. As a matter of fact, I think I've been to all the rope drops you can go to. And this one by far is the best. And I'm talking like it's better than the Disneyland rope drop where the characters come out and are all excited and dancing and counting down. Like this one absolutely takes it. Well, because I think the other ones are super excited are super exciting for like kids and families. But this one, if you're big into nature and animals, the birds during that intro, I mean, it was just so surprising the first time we saw it. It was, it was, that was for me what was like, what? I was not expecting that at all. But the thing is, kids could really appreciate this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is an experience that you can take your kids to, not even tell them what's going to happen, and they will just flip out. Absolutely. So do you want to explain a little bit of what happens to encourage the people why they should do it? No? Did you just do it and I wasn't listening? No, I didn't. Oh, should I do it? I thought you were going to do it. I'll do it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so basically, um, (laughs) I thought that you gave a full example and I just wasn't paying attention. You were looking at me like, come on, No, that was just last time. Yeah. It won't be the last time, I'm sure. So- I'm not going to belabor it because you got to experience it for yourself. But essentially what happens is you get there and you go through the gates, kind of walk your way up, uh, make your way up to Discovery uh, Island. And there's these ropes, of course. And uh, they just kind of like, it's been a little bit, so I kind of forget exactly what happens. But they sort of riff on nature the world, being one with each other, kind of all of those staple things that you would expect. And as they drop the rope, this flock of parrots just like takes off. And you feel like you are just being ushered into a real magical place that is like has been waiting for you. So you got to see it for yourself. I would not recommend looking it up on YouTube. Don't spoil yourself. Just just do it when you can. It is it is pretty awesome. It is very worth it. And Animal Kingdom, what time do they usually open? Not so early, right? I don't know. I don't remember. Well, as we figure out that information, one thing, too, that I wanted to share um, as just, like, things to do, especially if you have kids... Um, Animal Kingdom has always been really big, like I said, on conservation and helping the planet. Um, so they always do a big thing for Earth Day. They always have some sort of beautiful artwork or sculpture that's made out of recyclables, um, around April when Earth Day comes around. Um, but another thing that's really fun and exciting is they have these activities for kids. And the current one is actually Wilderness Explorers, like from the movie Up with Russell getting all of his patches for things. 
And so kids can kind of go around from location to location and earn their badges for um, completing these different nature-themed challenges. And so they can go on to collect all these badges and feel like they're achieving something and being a part of something. I would have been so into this when I was a kid. It is not even funny. I loved going over to Rafiki's Planet Watch. I know a lot of people could take that or leave it, but I think it's just a fun little break and you get to go, like I said, see the vets in action and and see a little bit more about conservation and some animals over there. So this for me is another thing to do, especially if you have kids, to get them engaged and and thinking about conservation and saving the planet. Super cool thing to do. Um, I got another one. And this one is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, and, you know, it's it's another reason why I love Animal Kingdom so much, because I felt like I discovered this and it was just kind of for me. And uh, that is the Jungle Trek in in uh, directly in Asia. Um, the Jungle Trek is is so, so cool. Um, it's a self-guided walking tour of Southeast Asia. And it, you're going to see murals of tigers, monkeys, bats, and there's Komodo dragons. It's a beautiful spot for photos. It is such a cool little experience. And again, it's kind of secluded. So you sort of just walk through and take your time and, and enjoy yourself and uh, maybe grab yourself a Joffrey's and just do it. It is, it is fun. It's really fun. It is also correcting myself, a.k.a. clarifying myself from earlier. Animal Kingdom actually opens at 7.30. That is pretty early. That is early. So we must have just gotten up super early for a rope drop because we knew it was worth it. So if you are someone who is not a morning person, this may be a stretch for you. But the park closes at like 8.30. So yeah, even if listen. you get there early, it's it's not like the park doesn't close until midnight or something. You can still have a 12 or 13 hour day. Maybe take a break somewhere in the middle. Um, Go, Go back to Festival to your of the hotel. Lion King. Right. Grab a Dole Whip. Right. And listen, if you are going to be spending the exorbitant amount of money that Disney's charging these days, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just kind of commenting. It's worth it to me to almost, I mean, you don't want to exhaust yourself to the point of collapsing. But when I'm there, I got I to gotta milk every minute of it. Right. So you want to make the I'm most up early. Of it. Now, next trip, I'm going to eat my words because our life is going to be ruled by a, uh, by a baby. It already is, but it's really going to be ruled by we'll a baby We'll go that when trip. she wants to go We'll to go the when park. she wants to go. We'll leave when she wants to leave. Um, final thing that I am a huge fan of at uh, Animal Kingdom is this is kind of entertainment, but it's not really. So I'm just going to kind of throw it out. It is the Tree of Life Awakening that happens at 8.15. It is... It's... it's it's a nighttime experience. So it's not like a full on show, but you are experiencing the tree of life coming to life in a totally unique and beautiful way. Um, it, I mean, it just, it's, it's almost impossible to describe, but imagine like what you see with the um, projections on the castle, but on the tree of life. Right. So, it's just, it's so well done. It is so beautiful. And for me, when I finished up Rivers of Light and I'm heading out of the park, just to stop and experience that for a couple of minutes, like you don't really need to see the whole show, but even just catching a glimpse is well worth it, in right. my opinion. Yeah, I think we actually caught it on our way out one time. 
Because you still get to see the show even as you're just walking by. I mean, it the tree is so massive. It's hard to miss it as you're going there um, past Discovery Island. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I am missing that are like that's that's a must do. I mean, there's so much. Right. There's so much. Right. And I I think for me, um, as long as I'm I'm hitting some of those big attractions like Kilimanjaro Safari once in the morning, once you know when it gets dark, seeing different animals. Seeing Pandora, experiencing Expedition Everest, getting my mac and cheese from Eight Spoon Cafe, seeing the Festival of the Lion King, catching Rivers of Light. Like, if I can do some of those big things, I'm not cramming as much into my Animal Kingdom day as I do in my Magic Kingdom day or my Epcot day. But I do feel like this probably would be a good park to go to in the middle of your trip as sort of a breaking up the pace of go 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 because you can make it kind of as relaxing as you want it to be so that would be my encouragement to people agreed um same for me kind of you know if i get there and i get to go on expedition everest if i get to have uh, a drink at the nomad lounge uh get me a uh a rivers of light show and i always got to do a lap that's that's a non-negotiable for me. When I go to a park, I'm doing a lap. And this is the perfect do a lap park. So um, You gotta get those steps in. Right. Before so, the inevitable thunderstorm. Yeah. I don't care where I am. I gotta do a lap. You Anywhere. have to. Yeah. So that is uh that's that's kind of my two cents on the whole thing. It's a great park, like I said. I, I know that some people kind of look down on it a little bit. Maybe they don't think it's as fun, not as much to do, not as quote Walt Disney. Uh, style but you know what it's a great place to go and um we love it it's hands down my favorite park so i'm super stoked that we started with this one um we hope that you got some new ideas maybe of things that we like to do or things that you would want to try based on our recommendations yeah so i think that's gonna about wrap it up for us um we are just getting our feet wet with this whole thing this is our second show we have a lot more planned. Um, we've started to put together a little bit of an online presence for ourselves. We've got ourselves an Instagram page. You can follow us at the Parks Academy. Um, you can check us out on Twitter, get updates and notifications for when new shows come out. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, anywhere that you get podcasts. We are uh, just getting ourselves out there. And you can also visit us online at the Parks Academy Pod theparksacademypod.com. There's going to be some cool information on there, little bios about us. Uh, We're going to have some blogs, just keeping you guys up to date on what we find interesting about uh, Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Resorts. And we are really excited to jump in with you guys next time. Not so sure which park we're going to do, but whichever one it is, it's going to be a good one. You'll have to wait and see. You'll have to wait and see. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Parks Academy, and we'll catch you next time. 